Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who brings us great comfort. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before God, no one is righteous apart from his Son. No one can claim any goodness, wholesomeness, righteousness within themselves apart from what Jesus has done and worked for them. There may be those who do good things in a worldly sense, and there may be those who the world would consider to be very righteous and good and worthy people. There may be those who do really good things for their neighbor and the world around them, and we should always praise that in a worldly way. Yet in the eyes of God, no one can ever stand in righteousness apart from the justifying work of Jesus. And so it is the calling and duty of every human being who is born of this earth to know Jesus. Cluelessness concerning Christ is not an option. There is no such thing as blissful ignorance when it comes to life and salvation and the Son of God. We do not have the option as human creatures to scoff at the work of Jesus. Now, we must believe in him. We must know him. No matter how well a person may pursue righteousness, they will never attain it apart from faith in Christ Jesus alone. And this is kind of the contradiction and the struggle that St. Paul invites us to wrestle with today as we look at Romans chapter 9 and 10. In Romans 9, Paul grieves for his brethren, the Israelites. Paul was a Jew. He was a zealous Jew. Prior to his conversion, he pursued the law of God with zeal. He was a Pharisee. And that meant that he was one of the guys who took the law of God seriously. He contemplated it. He went under, underwent training in the law in Jerusalem under Gamaliel, one of the great teachers of the law of St. Paul's day. Taught by the best, he conformed his life to the law of God. And when something was stirring within the community of Israel that seemingly contradicted that law, Paul went on the attack. He was of the school of zeal, and so he sought to silence this gospel of Christ by any means necessary. He consented to the martyrdom of St. Stephen. He received permission from the Sanhedrin to go up to Damascus and persecute the Christians living there. He was zealous for the law because he believed that this is what made him righteous. He believed this is what made Israel righteous. To Paul and every other Jew who took their faith seriously, this was the only way to please God. Keep the law, obey the commandments, and then God would shower his blessings upon Israel. That was what mattered to Paul. And yet Paul was chasing after something that he could not attain. He could not attain 
perfect righteousness under the law. Why? Well, it's because he did not have a full picture of the truth. This is what Paul is saying in Romans 10. He says, For I bear them witness, talking about Israel, his brothers, the Jews. He says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You see, they didn't have that full picture of the truth. They were only given to receiving part of the story. And when the fullness of that truth was revealed to them, they simply did not and would not accept it. It became a stumbling block for them. Every word of the law is true. It is good. It is wise. The law was not meant to be the end. The law of God was given at Mount Sinai and was given to set his people Israel aside, make them holy and precious to the Lord their God. It was to distinguish them from the rest of the world, to mark them as holy to God for his specific purpose of sending a Savior into the world. And they were to be a people who knew and preached the will of God to all of creation. They were to be acutely aware of their sins. They were to gather in corporate worship and a confession of their sins. They were to pursue holiness and righteousness in love for the worship of God and the care for their neighbor. And this was to be lived out in a life of discipline. On its own, this is beautiful. It is good. But zeal for the law of God is not evil in of itself. We should want to honor and keep the will of our Creator, even those aspects of the law that are part of the Old Covenant that we are no longer required to observe in the New Testament, have the spirit of truth behind them that we are called to explore and contemplate as Christians. Yet this law doesn't make us righteous because it's only half of the story. And this is why St. Paul stands in wonder at this apparent contradiction as he says, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on their works. And they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. They had the law, they had the ordinances, they had the zeal, they had worked hard at framing their lives in discipline and devotion, and that's not evil, that's good. It's good to seek to please God. It's good to know the will of God and to pursue it with our whole hearts. It's good to seek to live up to that will of God. That's not the problem. The problem comes when God shows up when God makes his appearance for the people of Israel, they don't recognize him for who he is. As Christ arrives in mercy, as he arrived in humility and in love, as he comes to forgive sinners, he is the fulfillment of the law of God. He is the answer to all that had been promised to them. He comes as a blessing to his peculiar and holy people. He is the one they had been waiting for. And when he comes, what happens? They reject him. Why? 
because they did not see the need for a justifying God who makes men righteous as a free gift of perfect divine love. No, they believed that they had already done that in and of themselves. Their pursuit of righteousness had blinded them so much that they had convinced themselves they were righteous on their own accord. They had grown proud of their adherence to the law. They had tamed the law so much that it didn't accuse them anymore. And in their minds, they had domesticated God into being a little trick pony for them. They did the proper things. God gave them the proper rewards. I do this. God does this for me. I keep the the law of God. God rewards me for it. It was transactional. And the issue with transaction is that there is no love in a transaction. You get what you want. I get what I want. It's about me. And that is not how God works. He doesn't need anything from us. There is no transaction that we can instigate that offers us any benefits from God. He is God. He wants for nothing. Everything is already His. Everything we receive in this life is already a gift from the hand of a good and perfect God. And so it is with righteousness. It's a gift. The gift that is received by faith alone. And so Paul, he looks at this and he stands in awe. He sits in wonder at the mystery of what was happening. That those who did not possess the law of God are being called righteous by God, while those who were devoted to the law of God were not attaining this gift. Why? They hated the fact that it was a gift. They wanted to earn it. They had scorn for what was freely given because they could not disregard their work and their effort. And that which they strived for had all of a sudden become out of reach. They were left to wallow in the filth of their wickedness. And they could could not accept that righteousness was a gift from God. And this is why Jesus weeps over Jerusalem in our gospel lesson today. As he says, Would that you, even you, Jerusalem, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear down the tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. They didn't look to Christ when he came. Here God looks upon his chosen people, those whom he had shepherded out of Egypt, guided and nourished in the wilderness, settled in their promised land, established with kings, established with a temple of high praise and worship, those little ones whom he had revealed himself to through the words of his prophets. They were to be the heirs of the promises of God. But they did not recognize him as their God who had come to save them. Jesus knew that their refusal to see him and to know him for who he is would be the catalyst for their destruction. And it's not because they did not believe that he was God, but it's because they knew that he was God and they wanted nothing to do with him. Because they wanted to justify themselves apart from God's mercy. They wanted to dwell in their own works righteousness and they were destroyed by it. 
Every word that Jesus spoke about Jerusalem in our gospel lesson came true, and it was a devastating event. In the year 70 AD, the great historian Josephus records what happens. The city is surrounded by the Roman general Titus during the Passover feast. Since it's the Passover feast, the city's population is swelling to over a million people. And the siege created such a terrible famine within Jerusalem that people were driven towards, driven towards cannibalism of their own children. And when the Romans finally do breach the walls of the city, it is a complete and utter terrible massacre. As hundreds of thousands are butchered and the rest are sold into slavery, it's one of the most gruesome days in all of human history. And why did it happen? Well, it's because they were secure in themselves. They thought, because we're righteous, because we're good, because we do what we're supposed to do, God won't allow these Romans to slay us. Because we believe ourselves to be the righteous ones of God. They do not think of themselves as sinners who actually deserve the wrath of God. They weren't surprised by the blessings that God had placed upon them. They believed that they had a righteousness that was based on their own works. They had justified themselves. And that means that they were left in their sins before God. Because the only justifying that matters is the justifying that Christ does for you. And this should cause us to reflect on our own lives. It should cause us to ask the question of what we place our hope and expectation in. As the Israelites had a hope that was mistaken, as they placed all their confidence in the works of the law, well, what do we hope for? What are we building our lives upon? Where do we find comfort? Where do we find rest and assurance as we stand before God Almighty? St. Paul says it can only be in Jesus because he is the eternal Son of God who comes down to earth to be our Savior. He fulfills the righteous demands of the law. He dies the death that all sinners deserve to die. And even though there was no sin in him, <laughs> he willingly undergoes the judgment against all sin. He bears the wrath of God. He takes it upon himself. The Bible says, In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. And it says elsewhere in the Bible, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ has died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God to come. And also it says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see that those who rested in their own righteousness are destined for wrath. But those who place their confidence and faith in Christ, who bears the sins of the world, who is our propitiation, our Savior and Redeemer, are freed from wrath, but obtain salvation. God forgives sins through the death of his Son. God wants for nothing. God needs nothing from us, yet he gives everything for us. What an immense and wonderful gift that we have in the gospel of Christ. This should give us joy and comfort and solace as we face everything in this world. We could never do anything to repay God for what he has done for us. There is nothing we could offer God that would make us square. We either must accept this gift for what it is or miss out on it completely. 
And this is what grieves Paul concerning the Israelites. This is what causes Jesus to weep over Jerusalem. As they were secure in themselves, they had no desire to receive what Christ had come to give them. And this is why Paul teaches in Philippians about denying himself. As he says, hey, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself, Paul says, have confidence and have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ alone. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. You see, any confidence that we place in ourselves before God must be cast off. Paul lists all of his reasons for confidence in the flesh, and he has a lot of them. But what does he say it amounts to? Rubbish. Scubula in Greek. It's the stuff that you would throw out to your dogs or the stuff that you would put in your compost heap. It's dung. It's manure. It's nothing. It's worthless. It is nothing of value before God. It can only serve to puff us up in pride. No, Paul says that we cannot put any confidence in our flesh because it will fail us. Now we can only place our hope and our confidence in Jesus who will never fail us because Jesus alone bears your sin. Jesus alone is your righteousness. He stands as the one who makes us perfectly holy and presentable before his Father in heaven so that we are spared from the wrath that we deserve in this life and the next. For the sake of Christ, we are made partakers of a heavenly kingdom of grace and love. It's so much more. And so, as we live as those who have the full story, as we live as those who know the gospel, we must still remain watchful. We must look at ourselves with considerable discernment and wisdom. And we must ask, why did Israel fail to attain righteousness? They did not receive the fullness of the story. See, St. Paul used uh, the word ignorance to describe the Israelites. The prophet Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Isaiah says, therefore, my people go into exile for their lack of knowledge. They honored men, the honored men among them go hungry, and their multitude is parched with thirst. And so we ask ourselves, is there a such thing as blissful ignorance in the kingdom of God? We indeed have the gospel. We have the fullness of the revelation of God set before us in his holy sacred scriptures. We must not grow complacent in this. Do not grow complacent in hearing and receiving the gospel of Christ. 
Because we can grow proud very quickly, and we can fall into the same sins that Israel fell into. St. Paul talks about this in, later in the Romans. He grieves over Israel's blindness and says that they, we should hope for their repentance and remain watchful so that we don't fall away too. He says this, that is true, that Israel was broken off because of its unbelief, but you stand fast through faith so that you do not come proud, but that you fear. Fear the Lord. Be vigilant against those who would destroy your faith. As there are things in heaven and on earth and all of creation that would shake up our faith, distract us, and drive us away from the gospel of Christ. There are so many things that would drive us into a willful ignorance of God, his word, his gospel. Do not fall into a false security. That's what Israel did, and it destroyed them. They ignored the gospel because they didn't think they needed it. And some things drive people to ignore the gospel today for the similar reasons. Busyness, pride over sin, pharisaical works righteousness in all of its forms. These things can delude our hearts and our minds to believe that we are just fine without the gospel. I remember a few years back, I was talking to a college student about church and faith and all the things that, you know, we as Christians hold dear, and he had left the church quite some time ago. He said, I don't need the church to tell me how to be a good person. He thought it was about him, what he was supposed to do and to be. He thought it was dependent on his work, his action, his thoughts, his words. And in his mind, those are the things that justified him. It's all about him being good, him doing good. And what was ironic is that he didn't even seem to know what the word good meant. Because it was all subjective, based on whatever was swaying him this way or that at the moment. But we don't go to church and read the Bible and receive the Lord's Supper and baptize and pray because we're trying to be good and do good. We do these things because we know that we have failed in goodness. There is no goodness apart from Christ. We are sinners. We come to church. We live by faith. We study the word. We live in repentance and receiving the sacraments because we need Christ. We need forgiveness. And our sins are forgiven by faith. And we are made into righteous children of God by faith. And this is a gift. The gospel can only be received, be received as a gift by faith. As Paul says in Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so, live by faith. Hear the gospel and receive it in faith. Put no confidence in your flesh. Put no confidence in the work of your hands as you stand before God, but trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone, worked and given for you. By grace, through faith. Let us pray. Merciful Father, Help us to never grow proud in our works. 
And as we live by faith, enliven us in the gospel, cause us to see our sin for what it is and to despise it. Help us to flee from unrighteousness into the arms of your righteous Son. And send your Spirit so that we cast all, all hope except that which we have in Jesus. Help us to cherish those things that forgive sins and fill our lives with the grace of Jesus, the Word and the sacraments. And Lord, in your mercy, never regard us according to our own righteousness, but only look upon us in the righteousness of your Son, our Savior, who covers our lives in mercy and love, and in whose name we pray. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith, the life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen.